Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror the card game. I'm your host Frank, and this is another one of my first look episodes, sort of hop on the heels of the previous episode, we're diving in and we're doing another first look of one of the starter decks. I was left with so many thoughts from the last one about deck composition, about how many new cards we saw versus reprints, things like that, so I'm really intrigued to see if that was establishing a pattern and every starter deck will be the same, or if we'll see a little bit of variation in those patterns and things like that. So definitely things to look out for in this second first look in the series of first looks that for some mad reason I've decided to do for the Investigator starter decks. Which deck are we doing this time? Well, I've got a randomization device. It's a six-sided die in front of me. So if I roll an odd number now, we'll be doing a male investigator. And if I roll an even number now, we'll do a female investigator. It's a four, even, female. So that means we're either doing Winifred Habermuck or Jacqueline Fine. So one to three, Winifred, four to six, Jacqueline. One, we're doing Winifred. Let's do it. Let's open this up. So Winifred Habimok is the aviatrix. She's got one willpower, three intellect, three combat, and five agility. She's got eight health and seven sanity. I can top that is her flavor. She's criminal traited, which is kind of intriguing. She's got a free triggered ability. If two different non-weakness cards you control are committed to this skill test, draw one card, limit once per test. So in a skill test, there's a player window after step one when the test begins, and there's a player window after step two when you commit cards from hand to a skill test. I guess when you're triggering that ability, you're triggering it in the player window after you've committed cards from hand to the skill test, and I'm pretty sure that means you can't then commit the card you drew, but I could be wrong on that, and I'm going to check that out, because I think that's a really intriguing thing. If you commit two cards and it draws you into a card that would be really helpful with the test you're taking, would you be allowed to commit the third card as well? I'm not sure if you are allowed to, but also, critically, it's limit once per test, which means she can potentially take, say, three different tests in a turn, and as long as you've got the cards to commit, you'll keep drawing cards. Anyway, as with the previous episode, we said that I, or I said rather, that I wasn't going to go f into loads of detail with the investigator because we're going to save that for investigator-specific episodes. So I'll read the Elder Sign effect and we'll move on. Elder Sign effect is plus one. After this test ends, for every two points you succeeded by, return a card you committed to this test to your hand. I think that's an amazing Elder Sign ability. To get an ability that cares about the amount you committed is really cool and the fact that it's a sort of sliding scale is really good if you've gone for a test you're way over the threshold and you hit elder sign it gives you such an amazing return for that whereas some some investigator elder signs you draw the elder sign and it's like oh, okay well i've ended up on 13 against two so what but with this one you normally care it's normally cool obviously it cares the most when you're really going for it and her deck building, like Stella, it's deck size of 30 and Rogan neutral, and that's it. And she's got two signature cards and a random basic weakness. Her signature is anything you can do better. It's a skill card with six wild icons. Six. Six. They're basically like covering the text box nearly. There's so many of them. It's her deck only, innate and developed. Commit only to a skill test you are performing. Told you. We already knew about this card because when Winnie was announced, her signatures were also announced. So I don't think I need to talk about this in loads of detail. But to me, what jumps out is that she has one willpower and that's an amazing willpower protection card. She tests at a seven once a game. And also what jumps out for me is if you want to do any succeed by something style shenanigans, this is giving you a lot of icons towards that. So those turns where you're suddenly going really big, this helps. Other amazing thing maybe would be double or nothing. Her weakness is arrogance, which was also revealed. It's also a skill card and it has a wild icon. You must commit arrogance to each eligible skill test you perform, which is basically every skill test because it's a wild icon. This skill's icons subtract from your skill value instead of adding to it. If this test succeeds, return this skill to your hand. So you need to fail a test with arrogance committed to get rid of it. As long as you keep passing tests, you keep getting minus one. It sort of turns your stat line into zero two two four while you have it in hand. 
but you've just got to throw a test to get rid of it. I can picture a pretty cool situation which would be drawing this in upkeep and then getting hit by a willpower test in Mythos, which you're going to fail anyway, so you fail with arrogance committed and arrogance is gone, it's done nothing. That would be really nice. I can also see this turning up at just the wrong time and kind of clogging up your hand a bit because you keep passing tests, uh, particularly at one of those clutch moments in a scenario where you really can't afford to fail. Finding time to throw an action and fail it could be tricky. So yeah, it's an interesting one as well. And her basic weakness is reckless. It's also a skill. It's a skill basic weakness. Is that our first skill basic weakness? Maybe it is. It's a flaw. Commit only to a skill test you're performing of any type that has no other cards committed to it. Other cards cannot be committed to this skill test. If this test fails, return this skill to your hand. Wow, it's kind of the flip side of arrogance. Forced. If Reckless is in your hand at the end of your turn, reveal it and lose two resources. Okay, not too bad, I think, overall. So you get this in hand. If you don't do anything with it, by the end of the turn, you're losing two resources. And that's gonna it's going to tax you every turn for that, which is could be irritating. In Rogue, resource generation isn't too much of an issue. So I, I don't see that being too deadly. But then the thing that's annoying about this is... If your plan to pass tests is to commit multiple cards each time to have a really nice high skill, Reckless says you've got to find a test that you can commit me to and nothing else. I'm immediately thinking of lockpicks now and thinking a lockpicks test at eight, chucking a Reckless in, I'm still probably hoping to pass and I maybe don't care about putting other things in. That would be my plan for dealing with Reckless. I like as well that if you have Reckless and Arrogance in hand, you're going to have to decide which you're going to deal with because one comes back to your hand when you succeed and the other comes back to your hand if you fail. Obviously you can't put them into the same test anyway because Reckless stops that, but there's a nice combination there. Interestingly as well, the Art in Arrogance is a plane flying up into the air and the Art in Reckless is Winnie coming out of the plane, which is kind of cool. I can't believe it, the first card is Lockpicks, but it's Lockpicks level zero. Three costs, the same as level one, an intellect icon, item tool illicit, action exhaust Lockpicks, investigate, Add your agility value to your skill value for this investigation. This investigation is a tongue twister. If you do not succeed by at least two, discard lockpicks. Takes up a hand slot. Okay, I was thinking, what's different about this card? Nothing's different. But of course, the difference is lockpicks level one has the three charges. So this is like lockpick. And then when you go to level one, you get the three charges. Maybe we'll see an upgraded lockpicks that's higher than level one in Winnie's deck. That seems like a really nice tool and I just made the point that you might want to throw Reckless into a lockpicks test. Great to know that she has that. She's already got Intellect 3, which I like, but to have a way of getting clues by using her agility as well, or combining her agility, seems lovely. Funnily enough, I did wonder, before the Investigator starters came out, if cards like Flashlight or Knife or even some of the neutral skills would be included, or, you know, Emergency Cash, and thought... Corset gives you so many copies of those that it would be a bit of a shame. And they're neutral, and what we've seen so far is that they want all the cards to basically be the same colour. So this is a really nice thing to do. It might be worth thinking about for the other starter decks. What card can you have in faction that helps you get clues? We've seen the old keyring, now we're seeing lockpicks. It's nice. It's a two-of. Next is the Mauser C96. This is a card that was announced. Four cost asset, agility icon, item, weapon, firearm, illicit, uses five ammo, action, exhaust Mauser C96, and spend one ammo. Fight, you get plus one combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. If you succeed by two or more, either ready Mauser C96 or gain one resource. I think this is a really fun little card. Four cost for five ammo is better than the four cost for four ammo on the 45 automatic straight away. The drawback here is that you're only getting one shot a turn, unless, of course, you're succeeding by two or more, in which case you're readying the Mauser. Or you're succeeding by two or more against a two health enemy, and you don't need to ready the Mauser, so you're instead generating resources as well. If you can manage to get four of the five shots without readying the Mauser, succeeding by two, you've got your money back. You, know, you can make five resources out of this card. It's a really nice thing. It's a little bit like the Guardian Thompson combining resource generation with fighting enemies. I think that's really nice. 
I think it'll be really interesting to see how many combat icons Winnie has in her deck, because she only fights at a four with this. So it's not sort of sky-high abilities to, to succeed by two or more, four on enemy fight of two or three. You're, you're going to struggle to succeed by two or more against most Chaos Bags. But we do know about Sharpshooter. That was a card that Peter and I announced. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that coming up. Two Mausers. Next card is Switchblade, level one. Uh, no, level zero, sorry. One cost, zero XP, agility icon, item, weapon, melee, elicit, fast, action, fight. If you succeed by two or more, this attack deals plus one damage. Hand slot again. Okay, Switchblade is the first reprint. I was not expecting that. Everything I just said about combat kind of applies to the Switchblade here as well. You're not even getting a combat boost for this. Bit of an odd card for Winnie. I think you're definitely wanting to commit two cards to your Switchblade attacks, but nice the idea that you could have a weapon in hand ready to drop out quickly. Switchblade level zero, I think, is a fairly rarely played card because it doesn't have a combat boost, so it'll be very intriguing to see if she can make something of it. There's a second copy of it. Lucky Cigarette Case is the next card. Well, that is brilliant. That is the kind of card I would love to include in Winnie for a Succeed by X build. It's more card draw. So you commit two cards for a test, you pass by way too much, you've drawn a card for committing two cards, and you then draw a card from Lucky Cigarette Case. And that means the two cards you've committed, you've refilled your hand with two more cards. The flow is great. I think for high commitment styles, like in Silas or Min, you need enough card draw to back up that playstyle, and Lucky Cigarette Case is the thing to include for Rogue to keep pushing you through stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I like that it's included here. I think it would be a card I would put in Winnie, even if it wasn't in the starter deck. So that's a good shout. Next is Lonnie Ritter, the feisty mechanic. Now, I do believe that her name is actually spelt wrong here. I think she's Ritner in the novel, but I could be wrong. There might be a a typo there, but I believe they know about it. So this is the first ally we've seen. Four-cost ally, which is interesting because Granny Orn was also four-cost. One combat icon. You get plus one combat. Well, there is an example of how you could be boosting your combat. Free trigger, exhaust Lonnie, and spend a resource. Choose an item asset controlled by an investigator at your location. Heal one damage from that asset, and one horror from Lonnie Ritter. Two health, three sanity, takes up the slot. So you have her in play, she's giving you a combat boost, which means you're more likely to get your readying with the Mauser, it means you're more likely to get your damage with the Switchblade, so far so good. You're at a 4, which is alright for combat, but also you can exhaust her and spend resources to heal damage from items and horror from Lonnie. What items can take damage? Is the leather coat item clothing? That's what springs to mind. Is there an item that soaks damage in Rogue that we can think of? Hmm. Not off the top of my head, I must say. All I can think of is Liquid Courage, but that heals horror. It doesn't soak damage. I'm pretty tired, so there's probably something I'm failing to recall. But nicely, you can heal damage from assets but controlled by other investigators as well. So it's maybe someone else is soaking damage on some sort of item and you're healing it up. I mean, it's entirely dependent on what the items are and how they're soaking. It seems like four cost for the plus one combat is all right. You know, it's on a par with Beat Cop. And then maybe you're using that ability once or twice in a game. Maybe. The advantage there is that it's a free trigger, at least. So it's not costing you loads of actions to do that. Two Lonnies, and we're on to Leather Jacket. Well, well, well. Is it an item? Yes, it is. It's a two cost asset, zero XP, combat icon, item and armor treated fast that's the only rules text on it fast game text rather you think wearing that makes you look like the cat's meow nah i already know i'm the cat's meow this just lets everyone else know it's pretty cool you can just about see winnie's aviation cap hanging down from the art so she's just a badass it's her it's her uh, leather jacket so you have this down it takes up the body slot it can soak two damage and no horror and if you've got Lonnie in play, when one damage is on this, you can heal it up again. Keep paying one. I guess so the difference is Leather Coat is zero cost, but not fast. This is two cost, but fast. And as long as you can generate the resources, you could just keep this around. <laughs> Lonnie gets her spanner out and repairs your leather jacket. I like it. Nice little card. And Winnie is eight, seven. So she's got a lot of 
damage soak, but maybe you're taking some hits because you're trying to tangle with enemies. Next card is Streetwise Level Zero. This is zero cost. It's got intellect and agility icons. Ah, it's no longer permanent, I see. Free trigger, spend two resources, you get plus two intellect for this skill test. Free trigger, spend two resources, you get plus two agility for this skill test. I like that they're changing up, that it's not the one-to-one -one ratio. That whole thing of uh, rogues liking to do things big seems to carry on as a theme here. Zero cost to play it is really generous as well. Like Compare that to hard knocks where you're paying two just to get it down. Pretty good. Striking as well to me that it doesn't boost combat. You know, you might prefer hard knocks in Winnie if what you're really thinking of doing is using all of these weapons we've seen and fighting, whereas Streetwise is boosting your intellect and agility. I wonder if I were to play Winnie solo, maybe I'd focus in on those two stats and not worry about weapons, just build towards evasion, maybe some rogue damage events to deal with enemies. Yeah, that's nice. I think curbing the power of Streetwise to make it a two for two rather than a two for three is probably the right way to go about it. You know, the, the exchange still works out the same as the core set skill boosters, but that's nice. That's a handy card and zero cost as well. I could see that. <laughs> Get your drinking mugs out. I was going to say, I can see that sneaking into other decks as well. Absolutely. Yeah. As before, if I mention the investigator ability, in this case, committing two cards to draw a card. And also if I start talking about other investigators who would love this card, you're very welcome to have a drink. So yes, that's Streetwise. Nice card. Well, hold up. Is it a nice card? It's reasonable. The things that are nice is that it's zero cost. So you can put it down. You might only boost with it once or twice in a game, but you don't... For me, I'm not thinking, oh, I've made that commitment to using all my resources to boost because I haven't paid two and I want to get a proper return from it. It's like, I paid zero, just took me one action, and now it's down. And if I'm really worrying about passing a test later, I can just dump in some resources. Or again, for those double or nothing plays, I can just go for it and pile resources in. Next card is Cheap Shot. This is our third card reprint. Fight, add your agility value to your skill value for this attack. If you succeed by two or more, succeed by X again, automatically evade the attacked enemy. Aim for the eyes, they told me. And it's a two-cost event with combat and agility icons. I like Cheap Shot. I play it in Rita sometimes. I've played it in Finn a little bit. I like that it combines a small amount of damage with an auto-evade. I think probably I prefer it that way than having an evade card that happens to damage, because you can use Cheap Shot to whittle down an enemy for someone else. And if you're getting the evade as well, that's just a bonus. Yeah, nice card. Good to see it here. It's a nice succeed by two. She fights at um, an eight, three plus five. More if you've got Lonnie down. Pretty tasty. Next is Daring Maneuver. Okay, another reprint. Zero cost event, wild icon, fast. Play when you would succeed at a skill test. You get plus two skill value for this test. McGlenn, are you trying to get us both killed? Not this time, pal. Not this time. Some of the best art on a card that's really rarely played. Why might you want Daring Maneuver? Well, you've just done a cheap shot and you're passing by zero and you really want that evade. So you play Daring Maneuver, your lucky cigarette case triggers and you get a card anyway. So it draws out of it and you get the auto evade. Likewise, for these weapons that we've seen, having that in hand and taking a kind of speculative shot with the Mauser, needing to take another shot. So just playing Daring Maneuver, reloading the gun, as it were, untapping it pretty nice. Daring Maneuver is one of these cards that I've run in a lot of decks at the deck building stage and then when I've actually whittled down to 30 cards it's often been dropped. I find with Succeed by 2 I normally get to a position where only the tentacle is going to stop me so having a card that gives me plus 2 when my skill is stuck at 0 doesn't really help me but maybe there's a way of playing where you're not as reliably getting to that high point in which case say going 3 over and wanting to succeed by two but ending up pulling the minus three you can play daring maneuver bounce back up to plus two trigger all of those effects definitely i think what would be called a win more card because all you're using daring maneuver to do is to get you to a threshold past the succeed point it's not like lucky that's turning a failure into a success but it's still a fun card and cool to see winnie have it i think winnie could do some fun things with it 
And next is Slip Away. Okay, I should have made a prediction that if we'd seen Cheap Shot, we might see Slip Away. Two cost event, intellect and agility icons, evade, add your intellect to your skill value for this evasion attempt. Winnie's at eight. If you succeed by two or more and the evaded enemy is non-elite, it does not ready during the next upkeep phase. Pretty similar card to Cheap Shot, but this essentially evades an enemy for two turns. So you evade it straight away and then it doesn't ready, so it misses another turn before it readies up. I particularly like Slip Away on Hunter enemies, because it can pin them down and by the time they're ready and starting to hunt you, you've already moved on or moved to a different part of the map or things like that. Like Cheap Shot, I've probably played it about the same amount. It can be a helpful, useful card, but you really want, you don't want to pay two just to evade. You want to pay two to get that nice boost to your evasion and to hopefully sleep, get whatever creature it is to sleep. It is also an amazing huge snake that's in that art, which is kind of strange. So yeah, so we're seeing a bit of a theme here around succeed by two events in the deck, cheap shot, slip away, and again actually, Daring Maneuver is really useful for this if you really want to guarantee that succeed by two. As long as you succeed, Daring Maneuver will do the rest for you. And next is Pilfer. Okay, a new card. What is that? Oh, it's a, a dummy? No, oh, it's Egyptian. It's like an Egyptian bust, and they're taking the crown off it. Adam Schumpert is the artist. Four cost event, intellect and agility icons. It's a trick. So Rita can take it and we have to drink. Investigate. This investigation uses agility instead of intellect. If you succeed, discover two additional clues at your location. Oh, well, it is a four-cost event. Pay four, get three clues. Investigate using agility. Wow. Pretty steep, but talk about a way of clearing out a location. I'm not that excited about it in solo. Maybe only for Dunwich, where there are some three-eye locations. But that's pretty powerful as an ability to just scoop three clues. If you're rich and you've got good agility, you're going to really like this card. Winnie immediately feels like a good fit. Rita can take it because it's a trick, and that would take her from a two to a five when she uses it. Pretty nice clue tech if you suddenly wanted a burst of clues. Definitely stronger in multiplayer, obviously. Four cost for three clues. I mean, four cost is connect the dots, which is, what, two more clues? So yeah, it's not it's not too bad, I suppose. You probably want to double-double it or something like that. Something loony. The next card is another new card, Sneak By. This looks cool as well. Zero-cost event, double agility icons. Evade. When this action begins, gain two resources. Bam! The emergency cash for rogues in the starter decks. Being told not to do something was generally Winifred's cue to proceed as planned. So she's sneaking in. Wow, it's a, it's a trick as well. So it's a co- economy, zero-cost card that gets you two resources. It bakes in an action. So to get the same amount, you'd have to take a resource, take a resource, evade. You're just trading one card to do all three of those things. But it requires an enemy. So if you have this in your opening hand, yeah, I've got economy. You can't play it until you need to evade. So it's conditional economy in that way. You're not going to have any problems evading as Winnie, I imagine, but you are going to have to wait for the enemy before you can do it. Nice, though. I think more interesting to me to generate resources doing other things than to just generate resources by a card that says get more resources. Makes for more intriguing gameplay. Again, maybe stronger in multiplayer. The likelihood of seeing an enemy is higher, and then you can say, yeah, I'll tackle that, I'll get involved. And now we're on to skills, and it's Nimble, which is another card we've seen before, and Peter and I have even talked about on the cast. It's got an agility icon. For each point this skill test succeeds by, after it resolves, you may immediately move to a connecting location to a maximum of three times. Pass by three and get three extra actions for your, I'm assuming, evasion. Although you could be throwing Nimble into a pilfer, or you couldn't throw it into a lockpicks because that's still an intellect test. But yeah, you could throw it into a pilfer, say. Maybe throw it into a slip away, get that good evade, and then you're gone, disappeared off. I like the idea as well that I've been thinking about this a fair amount in solo. Movement is so vital, really. And I've been wondering about how card draw, resource generation, and then also movement are things that I deserve to think about more, but particularly that last one. How am I moving around the map? I've been playing quite a lot of Luke, 
and wanting to make sure I open up locations quickly to set up gateboxing and moving around from my pocket dimension. This is the sort of card where I can picture throwing it in as Winnie to an evade that I'm already pretty confident on, but it's going in with another card and those two cards in combination drawing me a card and then getting a load of moves out of it. Maybe I'm repositioning because the scenario wants it, or maybe I'm just opening up a load of locations, finding the right place to be, uh, rushing over the map to go and do some clue getting somewhere else or handling an objective that other investigators might find hard to do. I really like that flexibility that you can do there. Obviously, you need to succeed by three to get the full move, but, you know, your agility's five. Next is Daredevil. This is a card that Peter and I announced. So, another skill, a wild icon. After you commit Daredevil to a skill test, discard cards from the top of your deck until you discard a rogue skill. You can commit to this test. Commit it. Shuffle each weakness that was discarded by this effect back into your deck. Daredevil 2, you get to shuffle all the cards back. With Daredevil 1, you mill yourself to find a card you can commit. So far, we've only seen Nimble as a skill. Uh, or I suppose anything you can do better is a possibility as well. You've got to have that in mind as Winnie. If you use Daredevil, you might be finding a plus six for yourself. But yeah, so far, not so many skills. It'd be interesting to see if there are more skills in the deck. I think it's a it's a kind of combo-y card. Daredevil 2, a lot of conversation around double or nothing or not. I think this Daredevil is just about getting that flow because when you play this Daredevil, as long as you've got one other card to commit in your deck, it's going to trigger Winnie's ability and you're going to draw another card. So you're trading a wild icon for the test for an extra card, essentially, which I think is is decent. It's another way of having enough cards to do things. Even if you've had your hand emptied and all you have is Daredevil, you can commit Daredevil to a test, get a plus one. It commits another card, which gives you another plus something. And then you've drawn another card. So you've not lost any cards in hand to do that. You just keep the flow going. Maybe you're then your lucky cigarette case fires, so you're then actually at two cards at the end of the test and so on. Next is Opportunist, level zero. So that's a reprint. One wild icon, commit only to a skill test you're performing. If you succeed by three or more, return Opportunist to your hand after this test instead of discarding it. I wondered if Opportunist zero was somewhat unfairly maligned, and I spent quite a long time thinking about it and came to the conclusion that actually... Opportunist level zero is a really, I guess, poor card because the icon it contributes doesn't actually help you get to the threshold you want to be at. So say you're evading a two evade enemy as Winnie. You're five on two. If you pull a minus three, you still pass. So you're three up. If you commit opportunist, you're now six on two. So that means you can pass even on a minus four. But if you want to keep opportunist in hand, essentially the difficulty has gone up to five it, it hasn't actually because you still pass if you pull a minus four a minus three or a minus two but for what you want opportunist to do which is come back to hand you're going to need to commit something else as well because only a minus one or better will pull it back to hand so the window of tokens that like the margin of tokens that you will accept has suddenly shrunk from minus three or better to only minus one or better does that make sense so that's that's where it's kind of slightly problematic for me. Where it gets better is if you can commit, say, two opportunists, because then you're a seven against two, so you'll pass on a minus five or better, and you're a seven against five if you want to get opportunists back. So then still a minus two or better will pass you. So without committing opportunists at all, you would have passed on a three up. Now with committing two opportunists, you would pass and get both opportunists back on only a two up. You see what I mean? Like, the, what you want opportunities to do, it's giving you icons, but it's even though it gives you one icon, but it raises the difficulty by three. It doesn't literally raise the difficulty, I have to stress that, but the new window for which you want everything to happen at has moved. And I suppose that leads to a bigger point about succeed by X. If you think about succeed by X as adding whatever X is to the difficulty of a test, that's where rogues really like to spike their stat. So I investigate with lockpicks level one, my skill is, say, 8, and it's a 2-shroud location. That means I'm going to pass on a minus 6 or better. However, lockpicks level 1, I lose a charge if I don't succeed by 2. So really, to keep the charge, the difficulty is a 4, and a minus 4 or better is going to be fine for me. If I'm playing on standard, minus 4 is probably the worst token in the bag. Maybe it's minus 5, but it's probably minus 4, which means that that doesn't matter anyway, because I'm 6 over. So 
adding this sort of nominal plus two doesn't matter. But that does start to matter where, say, I'm investigating a four shroud location, and now if I want to keep a lock clicks charge, it's a, the equivalent of a six shroud location. So adding, like, succeed by X, you want to get these really high scores just because you want to be at the point where even the worst tokens will still allow you to succeed by X. Or where you're just going to gamble that you're going to pull a decent token and you're not going to worry too much about a minus four or a minus three. And of course, that's where daring maneuver comes in. Rather than being six over the threshold and hoping to pull a minus four or better, you can be three over the threshold. And if you pull a, a minus two and you're only succeeding by one, then daring maneuver comes in. I can see myself playing daring maneuver to get both opportunists back if I've committed them. And I can see in Winnie, if I have both opportunists in hand, that's just draw a card every action, <laughs> commit both opportunists and draw a card. And if I can succeed by three, I'm getting those opportunists back and I can do it again. It becomes its own little card draw engine, but I still need to succeed by three, which is where it's trickier. Wow, I've ended up talking a load about opportunist level zero. I want to drill down a bit more. I'm so tired today, so I don't know if I'm really making much sense. But there is something in that around the rogue succeed by X style. The other thing I should just mention is it gets a lot better if you're committing it with loads of other things, but then you realise that actually you didn't need the opportunist to pass because you've already committed the other things to make something happen. So that's kind of where you're like, uh, oh, so I could have just put any other card in my deck instead of opportunist, because all opportunist done is it's added icons where I was going to pass anyway, and it's given me a threshold that I didn't care about. Huh, it's a weird card. There's two of them. Next is our first XP card, and it's Liquid Courage level one. I mentioned Liquid Courage earlier. I had no idea this was coming up. This is really good. It's one cost, one XP, double willpower icons now. It's gained an icon. Item and illicit traded. Uses four supplies. Still the same. Action, spend one supply. Choose an investigator at your location to heal one horror. Then that investigator tests willpower two. If the test succeeds, they draw one card. If the test fails, they heal one additional horror and discard one card at random from their hand. Whoa! Okay, <laughs> Liquid Courage level zero is heal a horror, take a test, if you pass, heal another horror. So it's heal one to two horror, and the failure is uh, you'd heal one horror and lose a card. This is now heal a horror and draw a card, or heal two horror and lose a card. That's pretty good. That's pretty good change up. Like, I can see maybe Winnie knowing she's going to fail, she's just accepting that she's chucking another card to heal two horror when she uses this. And obviously, you can use it on other investigators and heal them up. That's kind of fine. Yeah, nice little little change, I think. That's kind of cool. I like the idea of heal a horror and draw a card if you can reliably pass the willpower test. That's like action compression, saving the action from healing the horror. And willpower too, <laughs> uh, you'll hear, well, you will have heard by the time this comes out, Peter's Agnes deck. Everyone has to drink because I'm talking about a different deck now, but he eats Willpower 2 tests for breakfast, so he would love to be able to heal horror and draw cards. It's a sweet little card. Okay, first of the XP. It's not the kind of thing, looking at the level 0 deck, that I was thinking, gosh, it really needs some kind of horror healing. And I suppose you've also got Lonnie healing herself if she's repairing your jacket, so she could be a kind of unlimited soak as long as you're willing to spend the resources. Next is the Mauser C96 level 2. It's gone down to 3 cost, so it's dropped in cost. It's gained an icon, so it's combat and agility icons. It still uses 5 ammo. Action, exhaust Mauser C96 and spend an ammo. Fight, you get plus 2 combat, which is I think an extra 1, and deal plus 1 damage for this attack. If you succeed by 2 or more, either ready Mauser C96 or gain 1 resource. That's the same. If you succeed by 4 or more, do both. Wow. So fight at a five, a six with Lonnie. If you can succeed by four or more, you get to ready the card and generate resources. It's pretty good. I mean, I think sharpshooter is so important in the assessment of these weapons that, I mean, we'll get to it because it's in the deck here somewhere, but it's going to make a real difference. That's the sticking point for me about the, the combat boost not being enough. Other person who loves it, obviously, sorry to encourage you to drink even more, is Tony, right? Like, fight at seven, <laughs> get resources and ready it up again. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So there's two of those. Next is Daring Maneuver level two. Zero cost, wild icon, that's the same. Fast, 
play when you would succeed at a skill test, you get plus three skill value for this test and you draw a card. Replaces itself, gets you back your opportunists level zero straight away. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, I see a little two card thing going on there, right? Chucking in your opportunists just wanting to pass the test and then playing Daring Maneuver and you've got cards from Winnie's Ability, Drink, and a card from playing Daring Maneuver. That's a nice little upgrade. Way better than just the trader card for the plus two. Really nice. Next is Cheap Shot level two. Ooh, tasty as well. Wow, they've set off the alarms, it's that tasty. I'm not sure if that's come across on the recording, but if you can hear sirens, they're excited about Cheap Shot level two. Still two cost, still got combat and agility icons. Fight, add your agility value to your skill value for this attack. If you succeed by one or more, automatically evade the attacked enemy. If you succeed by three or more, return Cheap Shot to your hand at the end of the turn. Nice. Well, Daring Maneuver 2 is going to set that up really nicely. So you get the evade if you need it, but also you can repeat it. Are we going to see an upgraded slip away now as well? It has a similar ability of getting it back. I love the succeed by X value dropping. That's really nice. It's like Derringer 2 where the extra damage is at plus 1, but you get an extra action at plus 3. And it just means that if you're overcommitting as a rogue who's playing succeed by X, you get more and more results the better you do. It's the same as Winnie's Elder Sign ability. It's like you've really overcommitted and then you pull an Elder Sign and you end up drawing three cards, say, because you're plus six over. That's that's where you really, that makes it worthwhile for the overcommitment. And this is a similar thing. You've really overcommitted because actually if you get the three or more, you get the card back as well as evading and damaging. Two of those guys. Slip away two. It's the next card. Called it. Evade, add your intellect to your skill value for this evasion. If you succeed by one or more and the evaded enemy is non-elite, it does not ready during the next upkeep phase. If you succeed by three or more, return slip away to your hand at the end of your turn. Wow, nice. Winnie's already got a lot of flow of cards through her hand because of her ability. Drink, I guess. And now she's also able to keep some of these events in hand for longer, doing what she already does well, which is overcommitting. Really good. I guess the challenge with both of them is being able to afford it just being able to keep playing them. And I suppose you're putting the XP into that to just have that sort of reliability of having enough things in hand to keep doing those things that you really want to do, which are mainly evades, it seems. Next is, let's slip away the second one, Manual Dexterity 2. Now this card was announced. That's definitely Trish, isn't it? It's an upgrade of the neutral Manual Dexterity for 2 XP. It's now got three agility icons. Max one committed per skill test. If this test is successful, draw one card. Two cards instead if it succeeds by two or more. So Manual Dexterity has become a succeed by X card. And I think, to be honest with you, so far, this could be the first card you get for Winnie. It's another skill, which means it triggers Daredevil if that's what you want to do. You're wanting to be committing things anyway, and you're wanting to succeed by a lot to trigger other things. Just getting a plus three is amazing. By itself, you're evading at an eight, nine with an opportunist, say. And if that all goes well, <laughs> even you pull a minus four when you're nine up, you're still, uh, your final score is still a five. So you're hopefully getting opportunist back and drawing two more cards, like net three cards for committing two. That's that's where it starts to get really disgusting, isn't it? Where Winnie can commit enough cards to a test that she actually ends up with more cards in hand. Yeah, because you'll get the opportunist back as well. So you've got a card for your commitment, two from the manual dexterity and the opportunist back. Two cards has turned into four, all for doing what you want to do. Nice. Really nice. Lucky Cigarette Case 3 is the next card. Two cost, three XP. It's now double willpower icons. Item and charm traded. Reaction after you succeeded a skill test by one or more. Exhaust lucky cigarette case. Search the top X cards of your deck for a card. Draw it and shuffle the remaining cards into your deck. X is the amount you succeeded by. It's rabbit's foot level three inverse, right? Succeed by a load, search a load of cards. Fail by a load, search a load of cards. Wow. Cool. Just when I was getting excited about Spooky Skull level three, and now there's Lucky Cigarette Case level three to compete for that slot. This is really nice because you can regularly succeed by two and trigger the Lucky Cigarette Case easily once a turn. And that means with Lucky Cigarette Case three, you're seeing the top two cards of your deck 
rather than just the drawing one. And if you're succeeding by any more than two, which often is the case, you're seeing more and more cards. You've just got that filtered search ability. Nice. Really strong. Picking out the things you need, leaving stuff you don't want, avoiding weaknesses. What's not to love? Super good. Next is Sharpshooter. We're there at last. This is a card I've announced, which is why I knew about it. I say I, Drawn to the Flame did. This is a two-cost asset, three XP, combat and agility icons. It's a talent. Reaction. When you use a fight ability on a firearm asset, so not that switchblade, exhaust Sharpshooter. Choose one or both. The first choice is, this attack uses agility instead of combat. All modifiers to your combat for this attack modify your agility instead. So if you're using the Mauser C96, it's giving you plus one combat, but that turns into plus one agility. So you would shoot at a four, but then you use your agility instead, so you're a five with the plus one is a six. If you've got a modifier like plus one from Lonnie, I'm pretty sure that that also would carry over. So you'd fight at, say, a seven, which makes it a lot easier to get that succeed by two ready the Mauser. Really good. That was choice one. There's another choice, though. Use the attacked enemy's evade value for this attack instead of their fight value. And remember, you can choose one or both with Sharpshooter. So you can choose to use your combat and shoot at their evade. You can choose to use your agility instead of your combat. Or you can choose to use your agility and shoot at their evade. Normally, evade values are lower, but not always. Big exception would be something like Conglomerations of Spheres, which is one fight and four evade. But yeah, often you'll see that enemies have a slightly lower evade value. I think it's about uh, 60% of enemies have... Maybe it's a bit higher than that. Maybe 65-70% have either the same or slightly lower evade. So being able to target the evade makes tests easier to succeed by. Being able to use your better stat. You know, in Winnie, this is essentially a plus two straight away because you're going from three combat to five agility. Lovely. Really nice. It does all the things you want in a succeed by X thing. Low difficulty test. High spike in, in skill. Really cool. There was probably a nice way of building Sharpshooter into Winnie to make her a real combat character. It's sort of this sort of like, well, it's not even a combat character. It's a enemy management character. You evade some enemies and you pick off the others with your guns. Pretty good. I'm not even going to begin to mention the other investigators who might get excited by this card. Don't even tempt me. And next is Pilfer Level 3. Okay, so we saw the level zero. Good test of memory here. This is still four cost. Oh, I tell you what, I'm looking away from the card. If this does anything like look what I found level two and spreads out the clues, that would be amazing. So it's four cost, three XP, intellect and agility icons, trick traded, investigate. The investigation uses agility instead of intellect. If you succeed, discover two additional clues at your location. If you succeeded by two or more, return pilfer to your hand at the end of the turn. Okay, I wasn't expecting that, but that actually fits with what we've seen so far. So it's just a, just a recursion thing. How are you paying four cost three clue event turn and turn again? I guess maybe you build Winnie as, as Streetwise Winnie, although you're probably not able to boost with Streetwise, but you're boosting the two Streetwise stats, intellect and agility. You're using your lockpicks, you're committing cards a lot to pass tests, and you're saving your resources to pilfer repeatedly. Definitely multiplayer so you can get those three card boosts. You know what? In my three-player group, we talk a lot, or fairly regularly, about how good Right of Seeking 4 is, because it gets three clues at a time, and that in three-player is just sublime, and often someone will be like, oh, I think I can get a clue here, and the person who's playing Right of Seeking 4 is like, don't bother, I can get all three in an action, don't waste your time, you know, Uh, and finding locations where it's actually worth us all investigating can be quite entertaining. Pilfer could be a similar thing, right? You're running around evading as Winnie, and every so often, yeah, I'll do that location. I'll just get all the clues. Thanks, bye. And if you want to just be recurring it, if you succeed by two or more, keep it in your hand. The cost, though, right? Steep. Next card is Backstab, level three. We've been waiting for a Backstab upgrade since the core set. It's been so, you know, lagging behind all those other cards that have got upgrades. Right, let's check this out. It's still three costs, three XP, combat and agility icons. It's tactic traded. Mark can't take it because it's tactics <laughs> level zero, but nearly, nearly. Fight. This attack uses agility instead of combat. This attack deals plus two damage. All the same. Ah, oh. if you succeed by two or more return backstab to your hand at the end of the turn. Okay, 
not impressed. Just for three XP, just to get backstab back? I mean, I guess it's amazing because you can just keep playing it then. You don't need to draw your other backstab. You have unlimited backstabs as long as you can succeed by two or more. But still, for three XP, that's all you get. Why couldn't it give you a plus one agility as well? I think probably what this suggests to me is that the ability to recur particular events, namely pilfer and backstab, and then also to a lesser extent slip away and cheap shot is an incredibly powerful ability and they've tried to make sure that there's enough XP on it to, to control what's going on there. I guess also putting it at 3 XP stops Wendy taking it. There's maybe a reason for that. Yeah. Okay, fine. Could be fun. I find even the 3 cost a bit prohibitive in solo, but maybe this would be my one <laughs> enemy management solution. Kill my three, 3 health enemies, no problems, and just make sure I pass by enough to keep drawing it. Yeah. I can see that working. Next is Copycat level 3. Now this card was also announced. It has a wild icon. It's a skill. It's gambit traded. After you commit Copycat to a skill test, search the discard pile of another investigator for a skill you can commit to this test and commit it. After this test ends, place that card on the bottom of its owner's deck. Not so great in solo. Kind of a hard card to judge because you're picking any card that anyone else is using. What might you want? Deduction while you're investigating? Vicious blow while you're fighting? Both kind of nice. Amazing to give Winnie access to both of those for 3 XP as long as your team has them. Any wild icon skill is pretty useful to be able to commit it to your skill as well. The neutral skills might be a good shout as well. Do you get to draw the card or does the person who committed it? Search the discard pile of another investor for a skill you can commit to this test and commit it. The wording to me makes it sound like you're committing it, which is kind of interesting. I'm not sure though, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, so with this card in hand, you want all of your teammates to commit things so that you can then enjoy them. If you're playing with a Silas player, he's probably got a Eureka, a Quick Thinking, various other things, and you can just scoop them up and put them in your tests as well with your copycat. And if you're committing the card from the discard pile, does that mean you've committed two cards for Winnie's ability? Meaning we all should have a drink. Maybe. I think it's just, it's one of those cards that's really hard to evaluate in a vacuum because it's all about the deck building of the entire party and the interplay of that. But, you know, I like it. It's, it's fun. That is Copycat. Next is the Beretta M1918. It's on the side of an aeroplane, which is pretty cool. Four cost, four XP, Double combat and agility icon, item, weapon, firearm, illicit, uses four ammo, double hand slot, exhaust Beretta and spend one ammo, fight, you get plus four combat and deal plus one damage for this attack. If you succeed by two or more, ready Beretta or deal three damage instead of two. If you succeed by four or more, do both. Love it. Think it's a really cool high XP weapon. Definitely wants the player to be playing a succeed by X style in Rogue. Winnie seems great for it with Sharpshooter. You could just take Sharpshooter in this and be attacking at a 9 with your agility. Like, what's not to like about that? Also love the idea that you only need to succeed by 2 or more to do 3 damage per shot, which will kill many enemies that are 3 healthers. So you just imagine they have plus 2 fight, and as long as you can hit that threshold with the plus 4 you're getting for yourself... You're just one-shotting three health enemies with this and not worrying about it readying. Yeah, pretty good. Four cost for four ammo, so that's 12 damage potentially. Is that four times three? Yeah. Super strong. Nice machine gun, basically. That's the Beretta. Next is... Oh, my word. Who is this little CGI'd fellow? Chuck Fergus, Obanian driver, ally and criminal traded. He's holding like a... It's like a hurling stick, isn't it? It's a walking stick, but with a sort of um, knobbled end, like a cudgel. Three-cost ally, asset ally, in fact. Five XP, combat agility and wild icons. Reaction. When you play a tactic or trick event, exhaust Chuck Fergus. Choose two. Oh, shit, this is amazing. That event gains fast. That event costs two fewer resources to play. Or... You get plus two skill value while performing a skill test during the resolution of that event. Two health, two sanity, takes up the ally slot. 
rifling back through the cards rapidly. Backstab is tactic. Pilfer is trick. Slip away is trick. What is sneak by? Trick as well. Cracking. So you could make sneak by fast and get plus two to your evade. You could make pilfer cost two and be fast. You can make backstab fast and get plus two or backstab fast and only cost one to backstab. There was me being a little soft on backstab three. And then I see that actually you can have Chuck Fergus on your side, making all of these slightly costly. I've gone the whole whole of this first look, haven't I? Griping about having the resources to pay all these events again and again. And it turns out you just get rid of Lonnie and put Chuck Fergus down for three cost. And he gives you two for each thing. It's just once a turn, but they only come back at the end of the turn. A fast backstab that costs one. A fast pilfer that costs two. Or a pilfer that costs two and gives you plus two intellect. A plus two agility, rather. (laughs) So good. So good. I think that's the last card, isn't it? Alas, it is. What a card to end on. Chuck. My word. So why? how is he making tactics or tricks? Fast, fewer resources, or plus two. He's just helping you, right? He's just doing what Leo DeLuca does, which is giving you more actions by just being around and shifty. That's such a strong card to end on. Forget what I said about... Well, okay, we can see two decks here, can't we? One is Firearms and Sharpshooter, and the other is Tricks and Tactics and Chuck. And that's how you separate them. Both decks probably having a fair amount of skills and doing their own thing around succeed by two for the firearms to ready them and for the events to make sure you get them back in hand and get the other effects like the evade for two turns or the auto evade or whatever else it is. But yeah, straight away I can see the separation. I really like both options. I feel like maybe I prefer the Chuck trick event option for solo because it's like an inbuilt economy thing maybe, and I can see myself losing a bit of time bogging myself down with weapons to fight in solo, whereas in multiplayer there'll be a lot more enemies to fight, and that would work. Yes! Wow! That was cracking. And there were only six cards, which is exactly the same as the Stellar deck. There's six reprints. And then some familiar faces that are getting new versions and things like that. Fabulous. Fabulous. What a run. What a... I can't wait to play Winnie really cool i think now that i've done two of these getting more of a sense of the shape of the deck and what you can and can't expect and already seeing the difference a few more skills here and yeah i'm still looking at chuck fergus thinking what a dude such a badass he's got that kind of like 2010s hairstyle well it's the last couple of years isn't it rugby player's hairstyle Cool. Well, this is my second first look. As ever, let me know what you thought. Drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com. Drawn to the Flame on Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, and Designed by Humans. Buy a t shirt and support the cast, or just come say hi. Let me know what you think. Hope you've enjoyed this and stay tuned for more first looks soon. Mm-hmm.